All right, we are spending several weeks on those verses that you just saw there on the screen. It's the last three verses in the letter to the Romans that we have been in now for 51 weeks. Well, I think this is week 50, and so we've got a couple more weeks to go. We're just going to round it out and make it a full year, 52 weeks in this uh, letter that we've been in, Romans, for 52 weeks. And so I wanted us to really kind of slow down a little bit in these verses, and I think it's so important for us. I know in my own life, uh, it's so easy just to, you know, ramp up and go here to there and be frantic, but I think it's so important for us to take some time and slow down. I know that's one of the things I feel like the Spirit of God has been telling me, my family, our church, to take some time to, to slow down and to really dig into these verses. And so we did the very first part of chapter or verse 25 last week. And then today we're going to dig into the second part of verse 25 and the first part of verse 26. And I got to tell you, this is one of these subjects that, I, again, I could probably do a whole series just on the subject that we're going to talk about today, but I'm going to try to do it in a message. All right. So pray with me. And then we're going to jump in and dig into these three verses. Father, I pray that you would help us as we open your word, God, we know that this was not how we planned it, but 2020 has taught us, God, that this is not about how we plan it. We got to be flexible. Um, and so, God, even through the preaching of your word, coming through television screens and computer screens, and for all of us gathering online, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. We know, God, without your spirit, we would not know, as we're going to see today, we would not understand all that you have for us. And so God, I pray as we open up your word today that you would help us by your spirit to know that, to know the things that you have for us, the things that you have freely given us by your grace. And God, I don't know what is going on in people's lives, but God, I know we all need to hear from you. We all need to know that you are with us and that you are working. And God, I think this text that we're gonna see today proves that because it shows how you have been working throughout the ages and how you're continuing to work now, even though we may not understand it. And we know that it is all working together for our good and for your glory. And so God, help us to remind, be reminded of that in Jesus name. Amen. So again, Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. And now I'm going to do what I did last week. If you were here, I'm going to read the, all, the whole thing through. Then we're going to circle back and then dig into the specific verses. All right. So Romans 16, verse 25 through 27 says this. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. That's what we talked about last week. It's to him. According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. Verse 26. But has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations. According to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, we talked briefly last week about how in your Bible, you may see above this section, the phrase doxology and how that word is made up of two words that mean praise God. And so this section here is called a doxology because it's at the end of the letter and it's Paul's way of bringing us back around to what really matters who really matters and what that who, what that someone who is God is doing. And so God is, or Paul is wrapping this up and saying, hey, now it's to him and here's what he has been doing. And so we, we talked last week in the first part of this saying it's to him. And the good news is we want it to him because he's able. 
And he's able to strengthen you. And, and I forgot to say this last week, but that word there, strengthen, means to, to establish or make stable. And so I totally missed a complete alliteration moment to say, and I even had it in my notes, he is able to make stable. That's why we want him to be the center. That's why we want it to be to him. We want it all to be about him. Because if it's all about us, then we're not able to make it stable. And that's one of the lessons that we can learn in 2020, that no one other than God is able to establish or to make stable. No government, no politician, no one but God has the power to establish or to make stable. So that's what we talked about last week, that he is able. Now this week, we're going to dig into that last part of verse 25 and the first part of verse 26, because honestly, it's, I mean, the word mystery, sounds, so it sounds like a novel. And that's really what the Bible is and history is. It's the unfolding of a story. So let me read again back to verse 25, and I'm going to dig into those words, and then I'm going to give you some supporting text to help us better understand what he's getting at. So verse 25, it says this, according to the revelation of the mystery, according to the revelation of the mystery. Now, the title of the message this week is the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. Here's what we need to know about God. God is a brilliant storyteller. In fact, story was his idea. We would not understand story or narrative or how to tell stories if it wasn't not for God, because God is the creator. So he's the original creative one. And yes, he created us in his image. And so therefore, when we tell stories, when we tell narratives, when we create, we are bearing his image. And what Paul is getting at here is God has been telling a story. And this story, he says, or this gospel that he talk, he's talking about, that how he strengthens us is according to the revelation of the mystery that has been kept secret. Now, those two words, revelation of the mystery, I want to break those down for you because I think they're very important words. In fact, the word there, revolu uh, not revolution, listen to me, revolution, all right? Revelation is the Greek word apocalypse, where we get our, you probably guessed it, English word apocalypse. Now, anytime we think about apocalypse or uh, what we would call apocalyptic literature or apocalyptic language, we automatically go to end times. We automatically go to, you know, the idea of Armageddon or when we talk apocalyptically or we're talking about the apocalypse, we're, we, we are thinking about an event that's coming in the future. But what we need to understand biblically, the idea of apocalypsis or revelation is not just something that happens in the future or at the end of the world. Again, we, we typically think of the last book of the Bible, which is the book of Revelation. It's not the book of Revelations, all right? Pastor Pet Peeve right there. It's not plural, all right? It's singular. And that is the same word that he's using here. So when we think of Apocalypse, we think revelation, we think end. But what he's saying here is this idea of apocalypse or revelation is not something that is just to come. It is something that describes everything that has happened and will happen. It is God's revealing. And that's what the word revelation is about. 
Now, the reason why we have the book of Revelation in our Bible and the reason why it is the last book in our Bible is because it is the last letter to describe what is still to come. So I'm not saying it doesn't mean in things. I'm just saying it doesn't only mean that because God has been revealing himself or this apocalypse has been going on from the beginning of human history. It's not just something that's going to happen at the end of human history. And so what Paul's saying here is the apocalypse or the revelation of the mystery. There's a mystery that has been going on and it's been kept secret for long ages. And so what Paul is getting us, and he's going to explain it in just a second. I'll get to it in verse 26. But what Paul is saying is, listen, you and I are a part of something that has been happening since the beginning. We're not just a part of something that's going to happen in the end, but we're a part of a story. We were born into a story. We are born into a revelation. We are born into a mystery, a novel, a narrative, a story that has been going on since the beginning of time. And what has happened, what theologians call, is back in the day, not everybody knew all the parts of the story that we know now. And so theologically, this is called progressive revelation. Now, when I use the word progressive, I am not using it in current political terms for today. I am using it in the way that theologians use it to say revelation progressed over time. We got more and more and more and more and more over time. And that's what your Bible is. And so if you start in Genesis, you work your way through to the book of Revelation, what you see is a progression of God revealing himself. You see a progression of God disclosing, he's going to use that word in just a second, or making known mysteries that were previously unknown. So making known mysteries that were previously unknown. And he says they've been kept secret for long ages. That word they're kept secret literally means to be silenced about or conceal or keep quiet about. So here's what we need to understand. The point that I think Paul's trying to make to us here is we only know because God has disclosed. We only know. We only know the gospel. We only know what God is doing. Because God has revealed it. Because it was mysterious. It was kept secret for long ages. And so there is a wisdom or there is a revelation about who God is and about what God is doing that you can't know unless God lets you know it. Or unless God reveals it. Now how does God do that? Here's how I want you to understand, and again, a principle of studying the Bible, and I try to say this often, is let the Bible interpret the Bible. And so as you're going through REAP, you know, as you're, you're reading it, you're examining it, you're applying it, you're praying it, one of the ways that you examine is you take the scripture that you're looking at, and you look for other places in the Bible that use those same words. They use the same words that Paul talks about in, these, in this text. So two words that he uses here, revelation and mystery, those are words that, you know, like, oh, that's a mystery, that's a revelation. Man, I got to figure that out. What's he talking about here? Well, as I was studying this, that's exactly what I did. You can do this too. 
You can just do a simple Google search about those words in other parts of the New Testament. And you do that, you'll see all kinds of places that they come up. I want to give you two. The first one we're going to go to is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Again, I've got it here on the screen. If you want to turn uh, in your own Bible as well, or if you just want to write down and then come back to it later, you can. But we're talking about this revelation of the mystery here that's kept secret. Look at how Paul explains this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 12. Verse 6, he says this. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom. Now those two words, even though they are different in English, are the same in Greek. Secret and hidden are the two words for revelation and mystery. All right, same words. Impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Now let's stop and chat here for a second before we go into verse Hey, if you look for the first five verses in this chapter, Paul says to the Corinthians, hey, when I showed up, I just preached the simple gospel. I didn't use flattery. I didn't try to convince you. I didn't use lights and lasers and shows and not that any of those things are bad, but he says, man, I just showed up and I preached the gospel because I wanted you to know that God had invested power in those words. That's what we talked about last week. Then in verse six, he says, but to the wise or to the mature, we do impart the secret and hidden wisdom. What's he getting at here? He's saying, listen, when you're going in to tell people about Christ, you just simply say the gospel. You just simply say, here is the good news. Then as someone gets saved and they grow and they become more mature, then you can move on to what he would call elsewhere, more solid meat. And you can dig into all the layers of the gospel. We don't ever move past it as if the gospel is the ABCs, no, the gospel is the A to Z. We just go further into it. We just dig, 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 and see the richness by which the gospel is. And that's what Paul's doing here. He says, so we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Now, here's what's crazy. Not the wisdom of this age. So if you are going to do a diagnostic on yourself, which I would highly recommend we all do, the true diagnostic of your maturity is not how wise you are according to worldly standards. It's not how mature you are measured in the world standards. Again, as Christians, we don't measure ourselves by the maturity of what the world calls mature. Because let's be honest, and this is the irony of it. When the world uses something that's mature, isn't it always immature? Like any TV show you watch, if it's T-A-M, right? Or it's T-T-M-A, that's what it is. It's mature. You're like, oh, this is mature. It's for adults only. But all the content in it is really immature. Have you noticed that? It's always violence and, you know, scenes that your kids shouldn't be watching. Like, oh, this is mature. This is for adults. As though that is what really maturity is. So Paul's saying, hey, there's a maturity. There's a wisdom that's not worldly. It's otherworldly. And it's so important for us to understand that because any leader in this world who has worldly wisdom, wisdom, their wisdom is not real maturity. And he points it out here. They're doomed to pass away. So, so just a little wisdom for you as we're in an election year. Make sure our hope is not in the wisdom of this world. Our hope is in the wisdom from the other world. A secret and hidden wisdom. What is that? Look at verse eight. I love this. 
None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse nine, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined. Listen to this. What God has prepared for those who love him. Paul's just quoting Isaiah 64, four. He just quoted the Old Testament. So he's letting the Old Testament inform his theology. And what he's saying simply is this. If the rulers of this world hadn't really known God's wisdom, this secret and hidden wisdom, they would have never crucified Jesus. They wouldn't have. Because they would have understood that they were crucifying God, the Son of God. And, and, and this is part of the mystery, and I'll get into this in a second. This is the part of the mystery that we have to understand. Worldly wisdom says, if God is for me, everything's going to go good. But biblical wisdom says, if God is for me, it's probably not going to go good. In fact, if Christ tells us anything, it will lead to our death. But God will make that good. That's the difference. See, the rulers of this world said, and don't misunderstand this. Now, this at the beginning of the year. I've talked about it multiple times. Every ruler in this world, behind them is a spiritual power. Behind them is a spiritual power that's not the spirit of Christ. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. And we talked about this in Daniel where, you know, the, the prince of Greece, the prince of Persia, the powers behind the power that's on the planet. There are powers behind the powers. And so the worldly powers, when Jesus shows up, make no mistake, those powers knew who Jesus was. This is why anytime Jesus has a conversation with a demon or a demon-possessed person, they always ask Jesus, hey, what are you doing here? This is not the plan. You're not supposed to be here yet. They knew who Jesus was. But what they didn't know is that Jesus was going to win through losing. What they didn't know, that Jesus was going to bring life through death. And so what the worldly powers thought, let's kill him. Let's kill him. And they did. So who was behind the killing of Jesus? Of course, it was done through the hands of the Romans. The Jewish people were involved in his execution. But make no mistake about it. It happened through the spiritual powers behind them. And that's part of the mystery. Do you think those spiritual powers after they saw Jesus resurrect, would be like, dang it. We shouldn't have done that one. Didn't see that coming. Because Jesus beat death by dying. He beat it from the inside. And that's part of the mystery. And here's what we need to understand. That's why I think Paul quotes Isaiah 64, 4. He says, listen, you better have a wisdom that's not of this world or you'll miss what God's doing in the middle of your misery. That's the mystery. The mystery is God doesn't deliver you from misery until he first delivers you to the misery and then he delivers you through the misery. That's the mystery. And so when Paul says here, no man can imagine what God has planned. You want to know why? Because no man would have planned it the way God did. No man would have planned it like that. And so now let's take that mindset and let's bring it into 2020. 
Would any of you have planned 2020 like it's gone? I seriously doubt it. Not if you're sane. So when we step back and we look at 2020 and we're like, God, look at all the misery. Where are you? We have to step back and say, you know what? I'm not looking at this through godly wisdom. I'm looking at this through worldly wisdom because worldly wisdom tells me that if God is for me, I shouldn't suffer. But godly wisdom tells me no. In fact, Jesus says this, Paul says this. If you want to be godly, you will suffer. Why? Genesis 50, verse 20. God allowed Joseph to suffer and to suffer greatly, to put him to a place of prominence so that he could deliver his people. And in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph says this to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God is using it for good. So make no mistake about it. There are things in your life that will happen to you that people will mean for evil. But when those things happen to you, you have to step back and you have to look at this through a world, not, a, not a, a, through an otherworldly wisdom and say, God hasn't left me in my misery. And the mystery is, though I die, yet shall I live. The mystery is he's not delivering me from it. He's going to deliver me into it and then deliver me out of it. Because which one shows off his power more? To stop you from dying or to let you die and then raise you again? That's what Paul's getting at here. See, this is a mystery. This is a revelation. Now he goes on, look at this. You wouldn't know this unless you read verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. This is the concept of the Trinity, three in one. God is one, but he is three persons. So you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And what Paul's arguing here is, listen, without the person of the Spirit of God, you and I would not know the depths of understanding of God the Father. It's through the Spirit that we know. That is how revelation happens. He makes known what God has planned. Now, look at this, verse 12. I want you to hear me. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? That we might understand the things freely given us by God. See, if God did not allow the suffering, if God did not deliver us into the crucifixion, if God did not deliver us into the mystery, then we would, we would, and we do, would think we got it because of our hard work. We would think that we got it because of our work, but that's not how grace works. Grace works when it's given freely, 
So why? Why would God reveal his plan over time like this? Why would God allow the son of God to suffer? Why would God allow all those things, would he conspire to make all those things happen to show us that it's all by grace that we've been saved, freely given to you through the sacrifice of Christ, through the revelation of the spirit to you. So that's a mystery. That's a revelation of the mystery of how God was working. And again, if we miss that, and we'll talk more about when we finish up this series in Romans, and we're going to talk about wrestling with God, because I think it's an important thing for us to understand. But if we miss this, if we miss this mystery, if we miss the revelation of this mystery, then we will waste the misery of this year. If we miss this mystery, we will misapply our misery. We will misunderstand how God was using all this to get us to a place so we would quit fighting him so he could freely give us what he has for us. That's what Paul's getting at. Now look back at verse 26. Where am I getting that from? Verse 26. But has now. If you've been around revolution any amount of time, you know I like conjunctions. And and my favorite is out of Ephesians, but God. My second favorite is, but now. It's been hidden. It was a revelation of a mystery that had been hidden. Verse 26. But has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings and has been made known to all nations. But has now been disclosed. That word disclosed, the idea, it's not the same word as revelation, but it it means to make known. It's now been made known through the prophetic writings. What is that? Your New Testament. And it's been made known to all nations. So what's Paul getting at here? He's saying, listen, if you're not careful, you'll miss the mystery. You'll miss the mystery of the suffering of the Son of God and how God delivered him, not from it initially, but he delivered, he let him suffer and then delivered him out of it. And he's going to do the same with you. If we miss that, we'll misunderstand everything that our Bible is trying to make known to us. And this is the part where, and I got to be honest with you, man, Christians sometimes are the worst of people to be given over to conspiracy theories. So when I'm talking about mystery and disclosure and prophetic writings, please understand me loud and clear. I am not talking about that QAnon crap. I am not talking about any of that political Illuminati stuff. I'm talking about your New Testament. So let me ask you a question, Christian. How much time do you spend in the prophetic writings or in that conspiracy crap? If if I'm... I think I'm on to something here, especially as we approach an election season, you need to understand something. The best thing that you could ever give your mind over to is your Bible, the prophetic writings of the word of God. Why? Because these are the words that he has invested his power into. And these are the words that the Holy Spirit will make known to you. And if we miss that, we can miss what God is doing. Because here's the whole point of why God did it the way he did it. Because 
He wanted this revelation. He wanted this news. He wanted this truth, this gospel, this good news to go to all nations. To all nations. How do I know that? Let me give you one more reference text. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Again, I told you, let the Bible interpret the Bible. And so another place that word mystery and revelation shows up is in Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 1, he says this, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how, here's the word, how the mystery has been made known to me by revelation. The only reason Paul knew the mystery is because God told it to him. God showed it. God opened his eyes. How did God open his eyes? Through the Spirit, as I have written briefly. And just one little quick side note here. Notice how he talks. He says, the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. One, Paul understood he wasn't an owner. He was a steward. All he had, God had given him. This is why here at our church, when you join our church, we don't call it membership. We call it stewardship because members have rights. Stewards have responsibilities. When you're a steward of something, you understand that you have a gift. And that's what stewardship is about at our church. When you join our church, you become a steward. You now have the responsibility to care for the gift of God in the people of God. And that's the second part. He says, stewardship of grace that was given to me for you. Listen, any grace that God gives you isn't meant to end with just you. He gives it to you so that you can use it for his glory and others' good. What if we used all of our gifts, all of our talents, all of our resources for the good of others? Would it change how we talk? Would it change how we give? Would it change how we serve? Of course it would. Because we would know we're going to be accountable for that. And so we would want to be good stewards of God's grace by making it for others. Just a side note there. So let's continue. Verse four, he says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery. There's that word again of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has been now revealed. There's that word again to his holy apostles and prophets. Don't miss this by the what? Say it with me. Talk back to your screen, all right? By the Spirit. So that confirms what he said in 1 Corinthians 2. Paul only knows what he knows because the Spirit opened his eyes. That's how blindness comes off. We can't see what God is doing through physical eyes. So if we spend the majority of our time focusing on the world and solving the world's problems through physical means, then we are failing to step back and understand and see it through spiritual lenses. Physical men, natural men and women cannot see this. It takes a work of God through the Holy Spirit to take the blinders off so that you can see with spiritual eyes. You can see through the misery and you can get to the mystery. Now, verse six, look at this. This is where the whole all nations comes from. Man, I love this. This mystery. You want to know what this mystery is? You want to know what the mystery is? You want me to give you the cliffhanger? This is the resolution in the conflict. You want to know? The mystery is that Paul tells you the Gentiles are fellow heirs. That's the mystery. 
The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. What's this great mystery that was hidden and now by revelation has been made known? What is it? God's grace isn't for one group of people. God's grace is for all people. This is why Jesus said after he was resurrected, Matthew 28, you know it, the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples of all, say it with me, of all nations. The gospel is not for one group. You want to know the plan that God was enacting throughout all human history? The plan was he was going to reconcile all those nations after Genesis chapter 11 that went awry and that he scattered. He was going to bring them back. That's the plan. That's the mystery. The Jewish people missed it. They thought Jesus was there just to rebuild Jerusalem, just to rebuild Israel. This is why in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus resurrects, before he ascends, the disciples honestly asked him, hey, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, that ain't for you to know, but you're my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. My friends, listen to me. God's main purpose Oh, we need to hear this in an election year. God's main purpose isn't just to build up one nation. God's main purpose is to draw all nations to himself. That's why God has a kingdom and not a castle. See, castles you build high, kingdoms you build wide. The goal of God is not just for America. It's not just for one person, one group, one type of people. It's for all people because God's not building a castle on a hill like they thought in Jerusalem with the temple. He was saying, no, from here it's to go wide. The kingdom is wide. So as churches, we're not trying to build castles. We're trying to build the kingdom and we go wide. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't have castles, we can't have houses, we can't have buildings. That's fine. But our goal is not to build something bigger and taller like the Tower of Babel. Our goal is to go wider and further with the gospel, with the rule and reign of God. Why? Because that's the mystery. That's the plan. So church, let me say it to you like this. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. When Jesus came, he started a new family, a new family of Jesus that was going to be made up of all people from all nations. So that's what God wants the kingdom to look like. And if we care about the kingdom, then that's what our churches should look like. That's why he says, check this, members of the same body. The body is the church. Now, the reason why most churches call it membership, I referenced this earlier, is because it's about members of the body. But in America, we think membership like country club. Mm. See, see, what's true in the kingdom should be true in our houses. Should be true in the house of God. The reason why we as a church care about racial reconciliation is because God cares. 
God wants to reconcile all races to himself. So as the church, we care about it. And we will continue to care about it. And we will continue to do everything that we can to make sure that our church and every church that we plant and start and help multiply reflects the kingdom of God in the church. Because that's the mystery. The mystery is for all nations. No one saw that coming. No one but Jesus, which is why he told them. All nations. You know what's, this isn't funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. But you know what's funny? Go read your Bible. In Acts chapter 1 through 5, the church in Jerusalem after Jesus left didn't want to spread out. You want to know what God did? Go read it. He sent persecution. He sent persecution. And you want to know? Who one of the primary people he sent to persecute? Saul, who is now Paul, who wrote what you're reading. You want to know why I think God brought 2020? To remind the church, you better scatter. You better get back on mission. You better love your neighbor as yourself. Why, why do you think that COVID happened and then racial unrest happened because they're connected. Because God wants his church to stand in and say, this gospel is for all nations, for all people. And we need to reflect that. And God does, don't misunderstand. God does bring persecution on his church. That's the misery aspect because the mystery is sometimes God has to bring suffering to remind us of what's important. To wake us up, church. To get back in on his plan, back in on his mystery, back in on the revelation of his gospel. This is for all people. Partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. How? Through the gospel. Church, hear me. The gospel levels the playing field. See, the gospel doesn't divide people. I'll say this often, between good people and bad people. The gospel divides people between dead people and alive people. So the gospel is not, I once was bad, now I'm good. Mm -mm. The gospel is, I once was dead, now I'm alive. And how am I alive? Because the Spirit said, let there be. He said, let there be light. I saw the light. I saw the light. Come on, somebody. I said, yes. Now I have life. And so what the gospel does is it, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, it, it brings down the dividing wall of hostility. You want to know why so many times we are hostile people? You want to know? Because you forget, I forget that we were saved by grace. We're hostile because we think we earned it. It's mine. No. It's freely given. And the church, please hear me. I'm not speaking politically, but I'm speaking 
And this is what's true. The gospel is not political in how you think, but it's way more political in way more ways than you ever thought. What I'm saying here is this. The gospel is the solution to our misery. Because the mystery is, in our misery, we wake up to our need for a savior. And that's the message we have, and we should take that message to the entire world. And that's our mission. And whether we're gathering in person or online, we'll keep doing that. And maybe that's what God is awakening you to in 2020. Hey, this isn't about your castle. This is about my kingdom. This isn't about your house. This isn't about your wealth. This isn't about your attitude. This isn't about your prominence. Maybe you've been building a castle and God says, I'm into kingdoms. Take this to the ends of the earth. So I don't know for you what that means. I know for me, this is a message I need to hear because it reminds me that the misery is worth it. Because only in the misery will I get the mystery that God is making me new. God is reconciling me and giving me the ministry of reconciliation. And that's the mystery. And so if you don't know Christ today, I want you to understand the good news is simply this. Maybe God brought you on your knees to show you there is a God and it's not you. And you can be saved today. But for those of us that are saved, maybe, maybe take a step back and reflect on 2020 and not ask God for a do-over, but ask God for spiritual eyes. Ask God to be able to see in the misery how he's revealing his mystery. Because no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. My friends, God is working his plan. It's in his hands and he will bring it to an end for our good and his glory if we believe. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we're a part of a story. We're a part of the unfolding of a plan that was laid out before the foundation of the world. God, for us, this year has been so jarring because we're not used to suffering like this. We're not used to this much uncertainty. We're used to feeling in control. We're used to knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. But you told us very clearly to not pridefully presume what tomorrow would be, but to say, if it's the Lord's will, then I will. God, you're bringing us to our knees because when we are weak, then we are strong. When we can admit we're dead, 
we can be made alive. When we are reminded that we're not able, then we can call out to the one who is. And so God, I pray right now, whoever's listening or watching who doesn't know the mystery of the gospel, that Jesus died and suffered in their place for their sin. I pray right now by your spirit, you would open their eyes to see so they could respond and be saved. Get nobody looking around or talking, but if you've never trusted Christ right now, you can trust him. If the spirit has opened your eyes and you now see your need to be saved, then you can confess and believe and you can pray with me. And it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. That you sent your son to experience misery for me. And when he died, he didn't defend himself. Because his resurrection was his defense. And that's what I'm trusting in. So, Father, I confess I'm a sinner. I ask you to save me. I'm trusting in Jesus alone. Now, if you just prayed and trusted Christ, then today we want to know about that. So in a minute, you'll have an opportunity to text us and be a number on your screen to do that. Then for those of us who have trusted Christ, for Christians, I want to speak just, just for a second to Christians, particularly the Christians of Revolution Church. Let's be careful how we speak about the misery we're going through. And let's not act like, as Hebrews says, that we're going through something that is foreign to the scriptures. The world needs to see a body of Christ confident that God is working out his mystery in the misery. And let's make sure that our church is always a place where the kingdom of God is welcome, where people from all nations are welcome, where every tribe, every tongue feels comfortable because God wants to reconcile them to himself through us. So church, let's be calm. Let's remind ourselves 2020 didn't catch God by surprise. He's working out his mystery and he's doing it in a way that you would have never guessed. So quit trying to figure it out and just trust him. Father, would you help us? Would you help us to know that we don't have to know how it's all going to work out. We just have to know the one who is working it out. And God, I don't claim to know what all this means. I don't claim to know where we are on the apocalyptic calendar. 
I don't know if we're in the end times. All I know is we're closer than we were yesterday. And all I know is that you know. So if you know, I can trust you and take a nap. And I pray that you would bring rest to your people. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.